This is AFF On Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. G'day, welcome to episode 11 of AFF On Air. It is Saturday the 18th of May 2019 and I'm your host, Matt Graham. Coming up in today's episode, I chat to Australia's top tennis umpire, John Blom, about travelling for tennis, as well as Asiana's little-known but excellent value frequent flyer program. Also in this episode, some of the best shortcuts to status with Star Alliance Airlines, and I'll explain why now is the perfect time to redeem your ComBank awards points. That's coming up later in the episode, but first, let's take a look at what's making news on Australian frequent flyer this fortnight. And Jetstar will launch non-stop flights from the Gold Coast to Seoul Incheon International Airport from the 8th of December this year. The three weekly flights will be operated by 787-8s and the route will be in a code share partnership with Jeju Air. Economy fares are starting at $473 return. American Airlines has launched a new partnership with Hyatt Hotels. American Airlines Advantage members, as well as World of Hyatt members, can now earn extra points when staying at Hyatt Hotels or flying with American Airlines, respectively. The benefits also extend to status. Advantage Platinum and Above members are now being offered fast tracks to World of Hyatt status, and those members with World of Hyatt Explorist or Globalist status are also being promised fast tracks to American Airlines Advantage status. Closer to home, Virgin Australia already has partnerships with Hilton and IHG. Velocity Gold status will give you a status match to your choice of either Hilton Gold or IHG Gold. And Platinum Velocity status can be leveraged to receive a free match to Hilton Diamond or IHG Platinum. United Airlines also has its own partnership with Marriott Bonvoy. United Gold and above members can get a free status match to Marriott Bonvoy Gold status. Singapore Airlines has released a brand new Chris Flyer Spontaneous Escapes promotion for May, offering 30% off Chris Flyer Saver awards on selected routes for travel during June. Destinations covered this month include Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Cairns, Darwin and Auckland. Two passengers have been kicked off an Air New Zealand A320 flight from Wellington to Auckland because they refused to listen to the safety briefing. The passengers were seated in an exit row and one of them allegedly placed her fingers in her ears after the flight attendant politely asked her to pay attention to the safety video. Loss-making Etihad Airways has now also lost its 5-star Skytrax rating after months of cost-cutting. Etihad is now a Skytrax 4-star airline. There are currently 10 5-star Skytrax airlines which are All Nippon Airways, Asiana, Cathay Pacific, Ever Air, Garuda, Hainan Airlines, Japan Airlines, Lufthansa, Qatar Airways, and Singapore Airlines. Virgin Australia will cancel its flights from Perth to Geraldton from the 21st of July, citing a lack of demand. Virgin has also recently cut back its Sydney to Christchurch route, which is now only running as a seasonal service during the summer. Virgin has already made a raft of significant changes since its new CEO took office less than two months ago. Velocity Frequent Flyer, meanwhile, will end its partnership with Wilson Parking from the 30th of May. And finally, Qantas has dedicated an entire Airbus A380 from Melbourne to Tokyo Narita to Frequent Flyer's redeeming points for classic flight reward bookings. 
But before you get too excited, unfortunately the 14 first class seats and the 64 business class seats sold out within minutes. There are still some uh, economy class seats available though on the 21 October flight. The publicity stunt did generate lots of free PR for Qantas, including, well, in this podcast. The flight is running though because Qantas needed to position an A380 to Tokyo anyway for a MotoGP charter. That's what's making news this fortnight. For more regular news, updates and deals, be sure to follow Australian Frequent Flyer on Facebook and subscribe to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette. Joining me on this episode of AFF On Air is John Blom, who's one of 25 international gold badge tennis umpires and the only one from Australia. And given the nature of John's job, he obviously does quite a lot of flying. Welcome to the podcast, John. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Nice to be here. Yeah. And so tell me, as a traveling tennis umpire, what's a typical month look like for you with terms of travel and terms of work? Uh, it's hard to pin down a typical month, but... Uh... There are certainly periods of the year where it's more busy than other periods. So, for example, around the Grand Slam tournaments, that's the French Open, Wimbledon, the US Open, there's uh, a, lot of, a lot of travel going on at that time, either working the weeks before those big tournaments and uh, the tournaments themselves, of course. So the busy periods are sort of really around those, those four events. Alongside that, there is some, for me at least, there's some, some work in Australia as well. So... I do end up doing quite a bit of travel around Australia as well as uh, internationally. So obviously you're traveling, so you've got the four major Grand Slams every year. What are some of the, the other places you've traveled to and some of the most interesting places that you've been to for work? Yes, funnily enough, um, there are some regions in the world that uh, have sort of embraced uh, international tennis more than others. For example, New Zealand uh, as a country is, is somewhere people love going, but they've actually got absolutely no professional tennis going on in New Zealand. Whereas a country like Uzbekistan or, or Kazakhstan have, you know, 10 or 12 professional weeks a year. So funnily enough, you can end up going to places that are right off the map, really, as far as normal tourists and travelers go, uh, like uh, the, the Central Asian countries I just mentioned, or uh, Azerbaijan, or, or perhaps uh, Russia. Russia itself is quite common. Uh, a lot of the Asian countries that um, have, have events, um, for example, India, Vietnam, Japan, China, and so on. But countries like South Africa, New Zealand, um, well, Canada, Canada to some extent, but a lot of countries where you'd expect there'd be a lot of professional tennis actually don't have any. And then a lot of countries where you wouldn't expect it to take place, they, they have tournaments there. So it's quite a weird uh, sport professionally in that sense. Yeah, and I guess that keeps you on your toes. Now, there's that's some really interesting places that you've been able to go to for work. I'm, I'm rather jealous. Um, and uh, when you're flying to all these places, uh, do they put you up in business or first class, or is it only economy, or what, what does that look like for you? Uh, as far as um, my trips are concerned, they're basically economy class flights. I mean, generally, I end up flying most of those tournaments economy, and, and perhaps, you know, you get the odd upgrade now and then. But but we're sort of encouraged to try and keep the, the expenses down as much as we can. So, uh, yeah, it'd be great to fly around business class and first class to all, all these places. But if that ever does happen, it's sort of because I've upgraded myself or, you know, I've been lucky and gotten a free upgrade somehow. But there are a lot of long flights and 
especially you know from Australia to to Europe or the, the United States. It's uh it's a long haul, so a free upgrade uh, is always most welcome, and it's uh it's a really nice feeling when that does happen. Yeah, and Australia is a long way from pretty much anywhere, especially all of all of these places that have tennis. Uh... Okay, on so yeah, it definitely makes a difference. Do you, do you get to book your own travel, or is that arranged for you? Uh, half the time, I'd say I'm booking my own flights and sort of searching for, for deals that sort of work well for me. And that's generally just because the travel is often split between different events. So uh, if you're working three or four tournaments in a row, then each event will sort of cover some part of the travel cost for the official. And that's just much easier to do if you're booking the ticket yourself than, than trying to get an event to buy a ticket and then get reimbursed from other tournaments in other countries and so on. So a lot of the time it's uh, me sort of spending hours and hours online you know, trying to find the best deals. And then on other occasions, if you're just going in and out for one week somewhere, then the event will, will, will try and find you the ticket that suits them the best as well. So it's a bit 50-50 with that. Um, I obviously prefer when I get the um, the opportunity to try and find my own tickets because then I can make it work out best for me as well, you know, with freaking fly miles and stuff as well. So that's my preference. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't always work out that way. And I'm curious, what are what are some of the would you say the pros and cons of your job? Definitely, it's uh, it's kind of high profile and it's got sort of instantaneous pressure that you've got to deal with. So you're making decisions um, straight away and you're trying to sort of uh, stay calm while you're making, let's say, difficult decisions and, and, and not lose your cool, I suppose. So you get some self-satisfaction from that if you if you feel like you've done done a, a strong performance in a match. Um, I enjoy, do enjoy going back to, to, to big events year in, year out, like Wimbledon and the French Open are, are really two of my favourites. So the chance to go there every year is, is, is you know one that I'm really grateful to have. Um, they'd be the pros. Uh, I guess the travel is also a pro because you, you know, if you're if you're someone who enjoys traveling and you, you're fortunate enough to be able to do that for what you do for a living as well, that's that's a great uh, combination. Um, the cons are as well that you're away from home a lot. You sort of it, it's hard to sort of have a normal sort of lifestyle and and, and see your friends on a regular basis. So uh, negatives are kind of the same as the positives in a way. A lot of travel, but that that has its good and bad sides as well. And so far, do you have a career highlight, a moment that was maybe your proudest moment as a tennis umpire? Uh, I, I mean, professionally, I've had some some big matches, which I suppose you could call highlights, but only in the sense that they're high profile. I think, well, I did an Australian Open final a couple of years ago between uh, Djokovic and Murray. Uh, I, so I suppose you could say that's a professional highlight. However, you do get a lot more satisfaction out of doing something well that's sort of a bit more low-key somehow, that you, you, you're maybe the only one who knows you've done well. So while the high-profile stuff is, is there for, for people to see and, and you know, it, it's, uh, it's an obvious one basically to say, oh, that's, that's a highlight. I, I think going to a place like Uzbekistan and, and working with the local conditions and doing a good job and coming away from that and people, people saying, wow, that guy did a really good job and we were happy to have him here. I think that's, that, that's also something that you, you get a lot of um, satisfaction out of. Oh, really interesting. Obviously, with the, with the amount of travel you're doing, you um, have frequent flyer status with, uh, with a few different airlines. Now you have lifetime Diamond Plus status with Asiana, which is a kind of an uncommon one, and that's, that's the equivalent of lifetime Star Alliance Gold, I guess. And uh, a lot of Australians probably aren't familiar with the Asiana Club program, but it's quite easy to earn Star Alliance status with it. So 
I'm curious, what, what uh, prompted you to actually start collecting miles with Asiana in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I did love Star Alliance um, in general. For a long time, I was a member of the um, Scandinavian Airlines Eurobonus program. And uh, they, they just, going back about 15 years ago, like most frequent flyer programs, they, they changed the um, earning requirements. So yeah, for economy class tickets, you know, suddenly I was, I was, I was not getting almost uh, any miles for a, a normal economy class uh, ticket anymore. And I started looking around at other Star Alliance airlines just to, to see what the earning categories were like. And I came across this uh, Asiana um, website and, and I looked into their um, program and I thought, wow, that's uh, great. They'll probably change, I thought at the time, they'll probably change their uh, earning requirements going down the track. And, um, and I'll be back to where I started with SAS. But that, has, that didn't actually happen. So I joined uh, their program and I realized that they had this great uh, offer of uh, 500,000 lifetime miles on Star Alliance, mind you, not just on Asiana, on Star Alliance, would, uh, would get me lifetime gold status. So I, started, uh, I just started flying as much as I could on Star Alliance and I, I started collecting miles with Asiana with my ultimate objective just being to, to get this uh, lifetime gold status because I always thought that uh, this, this is almost too good to be true and, and eventually you know, they're going to take this, um, they're going to be forced maybe by the other Star Alliance airlines to take this, uh, take this um, uh, achievement away because it's almost too easy. Um, so yeah, anyway, I kept going and going and I finally got the 500,000 and, and basically since then I've got that in my back pocket sort of thing. So I've, I've got this lifetime star Alliance gold status. And, um, since I have that and I know it's secure, then I've, uh, since that time, uh, since I achieved that, I've gone sort of over to Qantas again and I've started collecting Qantas miles, but, but uh, it's, it's just, um, I do like star Alliance. I do think the star Alliance is a better alliance than, than any of the other alliances. But while I'm here in Australia, and, and, and now I do fly a lot with Qantas, and I do fly a lot with One World, so I've uh, sort of started uh, collecting Qantas miles again, yeah. Yeah, and I must admit, the first time I saw the Asiana requirements to earn Star Alliance status, I thought it was a typo, because it did seem really too good to be true. I mean, you have uh, to earn Star Alliance gold, you have to earn 40,000 miles on any Star Alliance carry in two years, not one year, but two years. And then you get to keep that status until the end of your two year term and then another two years. And then to renew it, they've actually just uh, just recently, they've even made it easier to renew it. So now you only have to earn 30,000 mi 30, miles on Star Alliance to renew it in the following two years. I mean, it's uh, for me, that seems like a, almost a no brainer to change over. Um, I'm currently gold with United, which is um, obviously they require quite a lot more miles. I think it's 50,000 miles in one year to renew Star Alliance Gold. The thing that sort of concerns me a little bit is I don't know if it will change. Um, like it seems like the program is right for devaluation and I know also Asiana is having a little bit of financial problems at the moment. So I don't know uh, how long it's going to be this way. But so far, I mean, we've thought this for a while and it hasn't changed. So hopefully it will stay exactly the same. And in terms of um, earning status on Asiana, John, um, were there any particular catches um, or any, any any things to be aware of for new players? Look, I didn't uh, I didn't think there was anything actually. I think um, it was it was relatively straightforward. Um, of course, there are uh, you, you do earn fewer miles uh, in the lower classes of economy, so it's worth checking those out before you you book your flights. Um, but on the whole. 
for example, United, Flying United, I, th- I think at least last, the last time I collected miles using United flights on Asiana, it was basically one mile, one point per mile for all classes of economy. And that may have changed now, but for example, you can look through that and just uh, and try and pick your, your best airline for accumulating miles on Asiana. I didn't find it was too difficult. I, I did obviously do some research when I was booking my flights and so on, but it all came quite easily. And as you say, the only, the only possible negative is that I did have ANSAT miles for a long time and they just all disappeared when ANSAT crashed. Um, so it, there's always a chance that, uh, as you said, Asiana is not necessarily doing wonderfully well financially. You never know with these airlines. You, you're probably better off um, getting your miles and then, and then uh, using them as quickly as you can as well just to make sure you get something for them. Absolutely, yeah. And um, I did notice, I did, I did some research on the uh, Asiana program and the fare classes and, and what you earn with each one. And I did notice that some of the, some of the lower fare classes on airlines like Lufthansa or Austrian or Swiss uh, don't earn anything with, uh, with Asiana, whereas with United they earn one mile per, dollar, uh, per mile flown. Um, but so there's a few, well, I guess there's a few yeah. Yeah, differences there. But on the whole, it seemed very, very reasonable, I think. Yeah, definitely. I still think it's a very reasonable program. And um Depending on what you're after, of course. Um, I had a friend who was um, uh, who, who'd, who'd flown three million miles with Emirates, and then he lost his gold status, and they didn't even um, they didn't even give him a year's grace with a with a with an upgrade to gold after losing it after so many years and so many miles. So, I think when you can grab uh, Star Alliance gold for so few for such a small number of miles, I think you you really should go for it. It's it's a great deal. Absolutely. And on the redemption side, so obviously if you're earning, if you're crediting flights to Asiana Club, you're going to have some Asiana miles to spend. Uh, what, what's it like in terms of the value of the spending those miles and how easy it is it to redeem those miles? Well, I booked um, flights in business class for myself and my partner last year from Australia to uh, Tbilisi in Georgia um, on Singapore Airlines out of Canberra and then uh, Turkish Airlines out of Singapore return in yeah so, so in business class I can't remember exactly how many thousand miles it was it, it was reasonable um, and the process was not that difficult at that time last year it was still necessary to call Asiana in Sydney and do it on the phone but that was uh, very straightforward and the, the ladies in Asiana in Sydney were very helpful but I do believe that they've opened up online booking for redemption of miles now should you not want to do it online, I'm sure you can still do it by calling Asiana in Sydney, which is, is very straightforward. And we really got the flights we wanted. Uh, okay, we booked sort of six to seven, eight, nine months in advance. But we got all the flights we wanted, as I said, in business class, which we wanted. And uh, I think I've got a big chunk of miles left that sort of equates to the same trip again. So um, we're looking at doing something similar once again uh, in the next year or two that is going from, from Canberra to somewhere in Europe in business class return for two tickets. So as I, as I think I just got over 500,000 miles um, and then started flying with Qantas again, I guess that means that for about 250,000 miles, I got two business class return tickets to Europe. So something like that anyway. And uh, yeah, pretty straightforward process. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds quite reasonable. And um, also that's, that trip sounds absolutely wonderful. I mean, I love to see and Singapore Airlines and Turkish Airlines are both incredibly good airlines in business class. That sounds absolutely wonderful. Yeah, fantastic trip. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that uh, now you've kind of switched over your loyalty. Obviously, you've still got the lifetime gold with Asiana in the bag, but you've switched over your loyalty to Qantas and OneWorld. 
Uh, is that is that purely because uh, you, you're just flying Qantas in one more often, or is there something about the Qantas frequent flyer program that sort of tempted you over? Yeah, not really anything with the program that's tempted me. Uh, I just find I'm flying a little more on Qantas out of Australia, uh, and I'm going to places where where Qantas. Uh, have direct flights from Sydney to in Asia. So that was a little more convenient than flying, say, Singapore Airlines out of Canberra uh, on Star Alliance. I'm not a massive fan of the Qantas program, but the uh, I have to say the double status credits uh, offers have sort of um, swayed me a little bit, and I've managed to buy quite a few flights in those periods uh, to, the, to the extent that I've actually been waiting for them to pop up so that I could buy the flights I need. And um, and yeah, the the last yeah the last couple of years that sort of tipped me over to um, platinum status, which which is something I ne- I've never had with Qantas before. So I'm kind of enjoying that. Having said that, the only real thing I I I like about it is the first class lounge access in Sydney. I haven't really uh, well, I haven't had a single sort of other benefit aside from you know the obvious ones with luggage and uh, and check in and so on. But um, yeah, they're, they're not overly generous with. Um, the old free upgrade. Um, so uh, I'm making the most out of the lounge, I suppose. That's the main thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have the platinum status. We'll see how long it lasts. If if, if one year I don't get it, then I, I think I'll switch back to um, to to Star Alliance. Yeah, I I don't, I I don't think I've ever had a free upgrade on Qantas. I've been gold with them for years. I guess maybe that's not high enough status. But um, I, I'd love to know if anyone's listening to this podcast and you have got a free upgrade from Qantas, let us know in the, in the, uh, the discussion thread. I'd love to know about that. Yeah, and I was just aware when I was saying that, that what, what kind of a first world problem is that we're talking about? <laughs> I've never had a free upgrade with Qantas. No, Qantas is a good airline and I like flying them. And uh, no, I haven't had a free upgrade, but in other ways, they are really good and uh, the lounges are excellent. So thank you to the uh, double status credit office for keeping me at Platinum for the last two years. But yes. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. And the offers do keep coming. I mean, we had three last year. So far this year, we've already had one. I'm sure there'll be another one, at least another one later in the year. So I'm sure you won't be disappointed by Qantas there. Uh, I think we I think we can count on there being one in about October or something. Yeah. I'm, I, I think that seems to be pretty standard nowadays. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you very much, John. It's been fascinating to hear about uh, your insights and all the best with the upcoming Roland Garros tournament. Oh, thanks very much, Matt. And uh, yeah, great job on the... Um, on the frequent flyer stuff. I really enjoy reading all the, all, all the articles and everything. I think you do a really good job. So well done and uh, yeah, lovely talking to you. Oh, thanks very much, John. Appreciate it. Hi, this is Clifford Reichlin, founder of the Australian Frequent Flyer. I trust you're enjoying this episode of AFF on Air. Matt does a great job, doesn't he? Do you know that you can tap directly into mass knowledge at Freak and Fly Solutions, our premium service? Go to freakandfly.com.au for more information. Welcome back to AFF On Air. In the interview with John, we spoke about Asiana Club and earning Star Alliance gold status with Asiana. Now, Asiana Club is probably the easiest way to earn Star Alliance status, and certainly for lifetime Star Alliance status, it is unbeatable. But there are a few other programs that also offer very, very easy paths to Star Alliance gold status. And one of those is Aegean Miles and Bonus. 
Now, earning Starline's gold status with a GN miles and bonus is relatively easy if you're visiting Greece at least once per year. And the reason for that is that they actually halve the number of tier miles that you need to earn in the Aegean program in order to earn silver or gold status if you take at least four or in the case of Silver 2, Aegean or Olympic Air flights during the membership year. So if you take just those four Aegean or Olympic flights per year, and you can do that quite easily if you ever travel to Europe, for example, flying uh, from anywhere in Europe, maybe to one of the Greek islands with a stop in Athens, if you do that and back, you've got your four flights uh, with Olympic operating a lot of uh, regional flights around Greece and then Aegean operating a quite a strong European network. And if you can take those four uh, Aegean or Olympic flights per year, you only need 24,000 tier miles in order to earn Star Alliance gold status. And then to renew your Star Alliance gold status, you only need to earn 12,000 tier miles in 12 months. So keep in mind that Aegean, with, with Asiana, you have two years to earn those miles. With Aegean, you have only one year and the status is only valid for 12 months. But uh, if you can take those flights and... Uh, once you have the Star Alliance gold status, renewing it is only 12,000 miles a year, which is a very easy ask. Another program which is quite good is the Turkish Airlines Miles and Smiles program. And this is, again, quite generous with Star Alliance gold status qualification. So to earn elite status with Turkish Airlines, which is equivalent to Star Alliance gold, you would need to earn 40,000 status miles within 12 months. However... To renew your status, once you already have it, you then have either you need to earn 25,000 status miles in one year or you have two years to earn 37,500 status miles. Now, those, mind you, are the rates for non-Turkish residents. So if you happen to be a resident of Turkey, actually, they require you to fly a few more miles than that uh, for some reason. But... Uh, I'm imagining that most of the listeners to this podcast are probably not Turkish residents, so you can use the lower rates. And it's also worth mentioning with both Aegean and Turkish Airlines, if you're just a little bit short of the number of elite miles or tier miles that you need in order to requalify for your status, you can actually purchase uh, these miles in small quantities for a price. Now, it's also worth talking about Turkish Airlines because Turkish Airlines has a status match. And if you already have status with One World, Star Alliance, or Sky Team, or also even Emirates, Etihad Guest, or El Al, you can get a status match to uh, Turkish Airlines Elite status, which again is equal to Star Alliance Gold. Now, if you have Star Alliance Gold with another um, Star Alliance airline, you are eligible. Also, Sky Team Elite Plus is eligible, Emirates Gold or Platinum, and Etihad Gold or Platinum is eligible too. Unfortunately, Qantas Gold is not eligible. With uh, If you're using a One World airline to match over, you need to have One World Emerald status. So that's equivalent to, say, Qantas Platinum, American Airlines Executive Platinum, or the British Airways Gold. And unfortunately, Turkish will not match to Virgin Australia Velocity status. But in any case, the list of uh, airlines they will match to is quite extensive. And once you are matched, you'll immediately receive all of the benefits of Star Alliance Gold status for four months. And that includes things like lounge access, additional baggage allowance, priority, and and other benefits when you're flying on any of the 28 Star Alliance member airlines. And about 11 of those airlines do actually fly to Australia, including uh, Air New Zealand, Singapore Airlines, Thai Airways, ANA, United, Air Canada, Air India, Air China, and, and so on. So there is quite a bit of benefit um, if you are based in Australia there. 
Now, once you're approved for your Turkish Airlines status match, if you then take at least one Turkish Airlines international flight within that initial four-month period, you will get your status extended for a further eight months. So that takes it through to a full year. Now, at the moment, Turkish Airlines does not fly to Australia. However, they do fly to many countries, in fact, uh, more countries than any other airline in the world out of their hub in Istanbul. If you're not able to fly to or through Turkey, then you might have a bit of difficulty completing the challenge. Although, mind you, Turkish Airlines does have some fifth freedom routes in various parts of the world. They have, for example, a flight from Buenos Aires to Sao Paulo in South America. And if you happen to be in either Kyrgyzstan or Mongolia, you can fly Turkish Airlines between Bishkek and Ulaanbaatar. Uh, Why? I don't know, but they operate that flight. So there you go. And um, if you then, in your first year of holding your Turkish Airlines status, earn at least 15,000 miles, those are status miles, from Turkish Airlines flights, uh, you then get to keep your status for another year. And then from that point, you can renew using the very reasonable Star Alliance requalification rates as per the, the normal program rules. So if you already have, for example, Qantas Platinum status, then uh, you can get that match over to Turkish Airlines and that's a really, really good head start in what is generally a very good program anyway. Keep in mind that United does also offer a status match. So this one uh, with the United match, you can get a match to uh, United Gold, which is equivalent to Star Alliance Gold, if you have Qantas Gold status. And they may even also match Virgin Australia um, Gold status over to United Gold. So that, that's a handy benefit. And that with that um, United match, you'll get the benefits of United status, which is and also the Star Alliance equivalent benefits for three months after that match is approved. And you'll get the benefits when you're flying not only on United, but also on any of the Star Alliance partners, which is, mind you, not officially the case, but in practice, I can tell you that it does work. In order to renew your United status for another year, you will need to meet certain premier qualification mile requirements, which unfortunately, you can only complete that status by flying on United. It doesn't work on partner airlines, but if you are flying to the US, that may be an option for you. One other shortcut that's worth mentioning to Star Alliance Gold status is through the American Express Platinum Charge Card. Now, this is this is the uh, the high end Amex card in Australia. With it's it's got a fourteen hundred and fifty dollar annual fee, so quite expensive. But it does come with many lounge access benefits. The um, rate at which you can earn points is quite good, although not as not quite as good as it was before for certain types of transactions. But nonetheless, still pretty good. Uh, I believe you can earn the equivalent of 1.125 airline miles per dollar spent in Australia. So that's pretty much a market leader there. And you also, with the Plat Charge card, you get various uh, hotel statuses for free, including Shangri-La Golden Circle Jade status. Now, you may have never heard of Shangri-La Golden Circle Jade status, but it comes with not only benefits when you stay at Shangri-La hotels, but also you receive automatic uh, silver status with Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer if you have that particular status. Also, uh, with the Shangri-La status, not only so not only can you apply for a silver status match over to Chris Flyer, but if you then take at least three Singapore Airlines or Silk Air flights within four months of getting the uh, Chris Flyer silver status match, you will be upgraded to Chris Flyer Gold. And um, 
that's, I mean, that's relatively easy to take those three flights. If you live in, in Melbourne, for example, you could fly three times between Melbourne and Wellington. Singapore Airlines flies that route four times a week. Or, you know, for example, if you're flying out of Brisbane, you could fly to anywhere in Southeast Asia with a stop in Singapore. So say Brisbane, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur and back, and then you've got four flights. So that's not too difficult to meet that challenge. If you have an Amex Plat card, it's definitely worth looking into that. Would you like to learn more about Star Alliance? I'll be hosting a webinar over at Frequent Flyer Solutions on Wednesday the 29th of May, and it's all about Star Alliance for Australians. So I'm going to talk in detail about how to earn Star Alliance status, including some of the tips that we've just discussed. And we'll also take a deep dive into which are the best uh, programs for Australians, how to earn and redeem miles on Star Alliance Airlines, how to find award availability, booking around the world award through Star Alliance, and lots more. And I'd love for you to join me. If you're interested in attending this webinar, it's on the 29th of May, have a look at the link in the episode notes for more information. Before I wrap up today's episode, just a quick reminder that Velocity's twice yearly promo on transferring points is still running until the end of May. So right now you can get 15 to 50% bonus points when transferring your points from a credit card rewards program, hotel loyalty program, or from flybys to Velocity Frequent Flyer. If you have ComBank awards points, now, firstly, I would ask you why, because quite frankly, Commonwealth Bank's credit cards are extremely uncompetitive. But secondly, I would encourage you to really consider transferring your ComBank Awards points to Velocity this month. And here's why. Well, none of ComBank Awards uh, redemptions are particularly good value. Now, ComBank Awards does have 10 new airline transfer partners that they added last year, but the rates at which you can transfer ComBank Awards points to most of these airlines are pretty poor. And if you have not opted into earning Qantas points on your ComBank Awards card, which, mind you, Commonwealth Bank charges you extra to do, uh, your best bet is probably to transfer the points to Virgin Australia's Velocity program anyway. Uh, so Virgin is the main partner airline that you can transfer your uh, Combank Awards points to. And other than transferring to those 10 other airlines at kind of poor rates, the only other way you can redeem your Combank Awards points is on things like uh, shopping vouchers and cashback and things like that, which are pretty poor value the interesting thing here is that ComBank Awards does not usually participate in these twice yearly velocity transfer promotions. And the last time ComBank uh, has participated in one of these promos was in May of 2017. And at that time, the bonus points on offer were only 15%. So this time ComBank Awards is offering a 25% bonus. So that means that when you transfer your points this month from ComBank Awards to Velocity, you'll get 25% bonus points on top of what you would usually earn. And that's a pretty good deal. Because ComBank Awards does not usually participate in these promos, we don't know when the next time they're going to participate in one of these is. It may not be for another two years. And so... It's unlikely that, at least in the near future, you're going to get a better opportunity to redeem your, your ComBank Awards points for a good value redemption. So if you think that you might be able to use those Velocity points, um, now is a pretty good time to transfer them. Otherwise, that's it for another episode of AFF On Air. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, including more information about the upcoming webinar, Star Alliance for Australians, 
check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to an Australian Frequent Flyer thread where you can discuss anything in this episode or ask me a question which you would like me to answer in a future episode. And as always, please don't forget to leave us a rating and a comment. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast in whichever platform you usually listen to podcasts. Other than that, thank you so, so much for listening. I really appreciate your company as always. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips, and tricks for Australian travellers. Until then, happy flying!